Welcome to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 12. I want to thank all my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast and iTunes and any other podcatchers that you might be using. Also, be sure to join the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group so you can ask questions or comment on episodes. And you can listen to all the past episodes and access show details at liamphotographypodcast.com. All right, I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and in this week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing California-based professional photographer John Harvell, who is a classmate of mine at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. John works in fashion, fitness, and headshot photography, and John's work can be seen at harvell.myportfolio.com. And I want to thank John at this time for joining me today. So, John, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Fantastic. I'm sure you guys probably have uh, even better weather out there in California than we have here in the Atlanta area right now, although it was pretty nice today. I think it got up to about 65. Oh, no, it, it was uh, a little chilly, but it, it rained today. Oh, it did? Ah, so you guys got some nasty weather out there today. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So my first question for you is looking at the work in your portfolio, I see you, you've done quite a bit of work with other artists uh, that work in other mediums, such as tattoo artists. Can you share some of your experiences in, in working with some of these talented folks? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mainly go to this place called Dark Rose Tattoo Parlor. Um, and, and, you know, I just I like to go down there and, and watch them create their art i mean these guys are, are wonderful at what they do and it, you know if you're into tattooing uh and or if you're into tattoos and you're a photographer it's probably good to just go down there hang out and socialize with those guys and and, and capture some of the action that they're doing yeah absolutely now um do you have any tattoos yourself or do you just strictly photograph them uh, yeah, I got quite a few tattoos. As <laughs> uh, a matter of fact, I'm, on the 27th, I'm about to get another one. Oh, wow. Cool. So what's the new one you're going to get? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not quite sure I want to say it. <laughs> ah, okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I, oh, I, no, no. It's, it's all right. You know, you know uh, ever since I retired, now I'm really retired and I'm just doing photography and, and try to get the photography business up and running and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, so I, I'm just, I, I decided to get something, uh, in honorary for my, for my new future. So to say. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So now what did you retire from? Uh, I retired from the army. Oh, cool. How many years were you in? Oh, well, I was in, I was in active duty for 10 and then another 10 for a DA civilian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did the same. I was active duty army for about 10 years. I joined when I was uh, 17 in the mid eighties. My parents had to sign. Um, 
and I was in during uh, the first Gulf War, and I also was uh, also was involved in Operation Just Cause when we went down to Panama to uh, bring Noriega to justice. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I I spent 10 years in the Army, but to tell you the truth, I never got a single tattoo. I mean, I like tattoos. Um, I like the artistic side of it and everything, but when I was a little kid, I was terrified of needles. I've gotten over the fear of needles. I'm still not a huge fan of them. So I never really never really had the desire to, to tattoo myself. Most of my siblings have tattoos, and uh, I, I just went with uh, getting my left ear pierced a couple of times, and that was it. And, my, and I remember I did it. Uh, I got my first piercing when I was in basic training down at Fort Benning, and my drill sergeant, Drill Sergeant Edwards, he was like, well, why in the world did you get your ear pierced? I said, well, I figure 20 years from now, if I don't like it, I can just leave it out and the hole will close over eventually. But tattoos, man, <laughs> they're permanent. <laughs> well, you know, I got my first tattoo when I was 15. So, and, and then, um, and then I got more, I, I went and got two uh, tattoos in, in Guam. Uh, I got one in Iraq because I had a buddy who, who um, actually did tattoos out there and their first sergeant gave them a, uh, an area for them to do tattoos. So I got one in, in Iraq, got one in Guam. Uh, I got one in, I got a few in Alaska. So, you know, it's pretty much everywhere I've been, I, I, I got a tattoo. Um, I, I, when I went to, the first time I went to Iraq, I did it because there you, you just couldn't do anything besides take incoming or, or going out the wire. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've actually got uh, quite a few friends that are um, that were in the Navy, and that was something that a lot of them did. Like each time they would go on um, um, a tour, I guess you'd call it, like when they'd go to the Mediterranean or something like that. A lot of the guys I know that were in the Navy on different ships, they would get a tattoo each time they visited a foreign port. They would get a new tattoo of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. guess I guess that can be pretty popular. But uh, I was looking at some of your uh, the work uh, you've done photographing tattoo artists out there in your area, and they're really, really amazing images. You got some really good stuff there. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Um, now, another one of your recent projects um, is your skating rink shoot that you did with Megan. Um, can you share with my listeners uh, how that concept came about and what all was involved in getting this awesome shoot set up? Okay. Well, you, you know, like me. Uh, I like to find the the person's personality when, when I shoot them, uh, especially if um this uh, Megan was a TFT shoot, so or Trey for Pick or or whatever you want to call it, Trey for Digital, and and I noticed that she was into skating, so so I you know I asked her, hey, um, you want to do a, a skating pick? And of course she said yes. Um, the hardest part was finding a place. And I mean, I, I searched high and low, uh, and then she told me that she skated at the skating rink. And so I contacted the owner there and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. So, so that's how that came about. I was, I was able, I contacted the owner asked, Hey, I would like to shoot a model at the skating rink. I'm going to set up some lighting, I'm not going to destroy anything. I'm not going to trash your place. And, and it was it was real simple and easy. Um, went down there that morning, um, set up in a few different areas, and, 
and shot. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I've been scrolling through the images as we're talking here, and uh, and the images are just awesome. And you got you you had the lights set up, really fantastic. And it looks like um, you were lucky enough to be able to shoot this where you basically had the place to yourselves. Yeah. Oh, that yes. would that definitely makes it a lot easier, especially uh, you don't have to worry about any chaos going on in the background and stuff like that. But yeah, these images are really fantastic. Now, had you had you worked with her before, or was this a, a totally new collaboration with this young lady? Yeah, it was a totally new collaboration with her. Um, now we met, so so we're going to be collaborating a lot more in the in the future. Oh, definitely awesome! Now, I did see at the at the end of this shoot, you had some uh, photos of her. It looks like in in like a bowling alley. Is that part of the same complex? Was it a skating rink and bowling alley combo, or or um, two different shoots on two different days? Oh uh, no, it's, it it was all in that same bowling, uh, all in the skating rink. They had a little arcade center, uh, a little bowling center, and just just a really neat place. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, we have a. A chain of uh, stores out here. I guess you'd call them stores um, in my area called Stars and Strikes, and that's what they are. They're like a skating rink, bowling alley, arcade. Some of them have dance floors and stuff like that too. So it's it's a kind of an all-in-one thing. And the really cool thing about Stars and Strikes, especially because I'm sure you're already familiar with my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. Yeah. And. Um, I was doing Cherokee County recently and I haven't finished editing and posted that video yet. Um, but when I first moved to Georgia 14 years ago, I was living in a town called Woodstock and there was an Ingalls grocery store right on highway 92 in Woodstock that I used to go to, you know, to buy my groceries every, every couple of weeks or once a month. And that store had been there for a long time. And I eventually moved out of Woodstock to Kennesaw and then moved over to the, the, uh, east side of Atlanta. Now I'm back on the west side of Atlanta where I currently live. And a few years ago, that Ingalls closed. I don't know all the details yet. I've got some um, emails out to a couple of people uh, to finish getting the remainder of the, de the details on why it closed because Ingalls is still around. They have a lot of grocery stores in the area. But they closed that particular one and it said the building sat empty for four or five years and now Stars and Strikes has actually leased the building. They totally gutted and remodeled it and turned it into one of their uh, skating rink and bowling alley slash arcade setups. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I was talking to uh, the guy that's their head of marketing and he was telling me that that's what they, they always try to do is they try to find large buildings that'll give them the square footage they need that have been sitting empty for, a, a, you know, a few years because then they can get a really good deal on the lease and then they'll sign it like a really long-term lease, like 20 years with the property owner and they get a great deal on the lease, especially leasing it for that long a period of time. Oh, you can't beat that. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you know, just, if, if you ever want to shoot there, I would just ask, especially you want, especially since they're, about to open up, that's probably the best time to ask because then you could help bring some publicity to them. Well, they, they've actually already opened the location in this old Ingalls. They've, they've been in business there for, I think you said, about a year now. Um, but I had stopped in because I wanted to shoot that building because I, I don't just, with my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, I'm not just concentrating on abandoned small business buildings. 
I mean, that's the primary crux of the project, but anytime I shoot a building and then later find out, you know, either through an email or something like that, that somebody else has come along and bought this previously abandoned building or they're leasing it again and they put a new business in there, I like to go back and film that as well. So that, you know, the entire project isn't just negative stuff. Um, yeah. So I did that when I did the uh, when I did the video for Hancock County in the city of Sparta, um, which had pretty much turned into a ghost town. Um, and then I found out that Robert and Susan Curry, uh, Robert owns Curry and Company, um, they moved to Sparta and he bought the old furniture factory and opened up a business uh, called Sparta Imperial Mushrooms, where they actually grow, uh, they organically grow shiitake mushrooms in there and sell them to the local farmers markets and, and some of the high-end restaurants in the area. So I always, anytime I get wind of somebody coming along and leasing a building that had sat abandoned for years, especially one that I've already shot for the project, I always like to go back and get footage now that it's being reused again because I want to cover the positive aspect of it as well. And, uh, and the guys from Stars and Strikes were really cool. I, I talked to the manager on site and gave him one of my business cards. And he said he was going to have the, the head of marketing get a hold of me. And I didn't hear from him for like a day or two. So then I, I filled out an email form on their website. And he called me like the next day. And he was like, yeah, I just had been really busy. Hadn't had a chance to call yet, but I had your card here. And I talked to him about filming you know, their, their location in that old Ingalls building for my Forgotten Piece of Georgia series. And he's like, absolutely. He said, the only thing I ask is give me a week or two because I've got guys going out to put new signs on the front of the building and I'd rather you wait and shoot the, the video once the new signs are up because it'll look a lot nicer. So that's what we did. We worked it out that way. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that, that turned out really good. And uh, like I said, I'm hoping to get that video posted before too much longer. Now, yeah, the, I, I, go ahead. But, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. Yeah, I like old historical stuff. You know, you, you just can't you can't beat anything that's historic. Oh, absolutely. And I've I've always been a huge you know history buff. That's always been one of my favorite subjects. I especially love anything that has to do with World War II. Yeah. So I I really get into that stuff. Now, um, another genre or style of photography that I see you've been working quite a bit in is fitness photography. Now, with that aspect of your work, are are you shooting just regular people or are you working with um, professional trainers and maybe some local athletes? Uh, yeah, I'm working with um, pretty much um, trainers um, currently right now. Like right now, I'm actually post-processing um, and doing some retouching on headshots that I took today, and and you know, um, doing blemish removal, a little bit of smoothing of, of the skin tones and stuff, and 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 um, and brightening up the eyes. But um, this um, fitness facility, they needed headshots for the website. Um, they needed some headshots for the website and. And so, so I go in and and I take their headshots and just just for just for the fun of it, went ahead and and we took some some actual movement shots of them um, performing and stuff. So. 
Yeah, I was looking looking through some of your fitness photography here on your portfolio, and I see you got some some, some shots of this. Uh, I believe it's a trainer. She's in one shot. She's hanging and looks like maybe doing pull ups, and then you got her lifting some weights. Uh, yeah. doing, doing some squats with the weights, uh, with a set of barbells or, uh, yeah, barbells. And then she's also doing some, uh, looks like some stretching too. You got some really awesome work there. I especially love the one where it looks like you shot, uh, like a headshot of her and you, and you shot through the handle of one of those, um, I can't remember what those kind of weights are called. Oh, the kettlebell. Yeah, that's it. Yep. That, that turned out really amazing. That looks really awesome. Got some really cool work in that stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of find different compositions and framing. Yeah, you know, like like I like to shoot on the shadow side sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody sometimes want to shoot on where where the the light is facing. But you know, sometimes you, you got you got to venture off and 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 find something else that that's unique, uh, a different way. Um, and like I said, sometimes I like to shoot on the shadow side. Sometimes I, I find something interesting and, and I'll, I'll try to shoot through it. You know, sometimes it's, it's a lot of trial and error. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and coming up with unique perspectives, um, can definitely be challenging at times, but generally those unique perspectives like that one through the kettlebell, uh, they're going to give you the kind of look that nobody else thinks of, or a lot of other people don't think of trying something like that. So it's really cool. Yeah, I used I had a manual focus on that one too, because I, I had lights set up and everything, and 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 you know it, the the gym was already a little dark, and, and my modeling light on my strobes wasn't bright enough because I, I pulled those strobes back further from from. From, from the frame so so I manual focus so, and, and was able to to actually hit that shot yeah and that that shot turned out really fantastic and I could definitely understand you have to use the manual focus because with the small opening you know through the center of that handle it's probably kind of tricky to get a lock on her face without the camera wanting to lock on the handle or the weight itself would definitely yeah. Call, yeah definitely cause a lot of hunting with the autofocus system I could see that for sure yeah she, she didn't think I could do it though <laughs> and I proved it wrong yeah <laughs> that's fantastic it turned out great I mean that's a really really awesome shot and it's a, a really unique and interesting perspective that's one of the reasons why I really liked it and that was that was clever thinking of that that's definitely a good one I think Absolutely. yeah I all uh, yeah you know I, I, I've been going through and and I've been revamping the way I, I post process now too. Um like like all a lot of my stuff was, was harsh and, and 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 you're gonna probably see a big change to my pro, my post processing and retouching now. And I got I got a, a, a definitely a new style uh, a new flow so to speak and it's a lot more polished yeah well i was looking through um this uh dancing project that you have here with the with the ballerinas and i really like the look that you've created with the images the post-processing i like the the grainy look because it's it's a throwback to the days of film and i think it really makes the images look really cool 
So, yeah, matter of fact, that was a that was a class project. Uh, I believe it was Miss Mont. It was either Miss Mont or or Ruben that that I did that uh, class assignment on. Yeah, I bet you got a good grade on that one because they turned out amazing. Those images are really great, and like I said, I love the you know the grainy look, the old the old film type look to it. It's really nice. Yeah, I actually like grain. Unlike a lot of people, I I do add grain to my images sometimes because whenever I post process, what I do is I post process. Uh, I go in there and I do everything. And then, then I use Exposure Four for my uh, for my film look, which Exposure Four is awesome. I, I love it for for film look. If I want film look, I I will go into Photoshop, uh, post process everything, and make all my adjustments, and then I go into Exposure Four, and and, and do that. Yeah, and it looked it looks fantastic. I love the way it replicates the. Uh the film film look from years ago because that's what i start out i start out shooting film many many moons ago and uh i really like film look and and film look doesn't work for everything but it works fantastic no. for this series it's really great for the ballerina series i mean they they just look amazing yeah i really yeah, like that I, I i started well i started photography one year and two weeks ago so Ah, so you didn't you didn't go through the uh, brutality of shooting film? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, uh, you know, in 04 in Iraq, I bought a point and shoot, which I still have images of. Or, or I have to find them, but I still have images of Iraq in 04 with IEDs going off and and stuff like that. Um, but no, um, I I bought I bought a Canon 80D. And, and like, let's see, I bought it in 2015 and, and I didn't really do anything with it. You know, I was just, just taking regular pictures. And then, and then February, February of 2018, I decided that, you know what, I want to learn photography and, and actually wanted to learn everything about photography. And so so I took my Canon ADD. Uh, I started the Art Institute, and then I found out when I was shooting on the in, indoors that crap sensor wasn't for me. Um, and so I was in a predicament, and I was like, "Okay, I want to go full frame because I want to do portraits and fashion and stuff like that." Uh, so what I do? Uh, I want to move full frame, and I kept thinking, okay, and then I decided because decided I have an eye injury, um, so I decided to go Sony. And so first thing I got was a Sony A7R2, which has focus peaking, and, and I bought a macro lens. The 90, the 90 macro was my first lens that I got for it because I wasn't really invested into Canon, so... So I went with Sony, and ever since then, uh, I I manually focused probably about fifty percent of all my shots that I do. So so focus peaking really helps a lot with 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 me because I have an eye injury in the right eye. Ah, uh, okay. 
Yeah, and I, I won't give you a rough time for, for betraying Canon and moving to Sony. <laughs> I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what camera system you use. They all do a great job. They all take amazing images. Certain ones are, have, you know, each one has different strengths and weaknesses. And as long as you're doing what you love to do, who cares what system you're using? Yeah, it's always cool. Everybody gets wrapped around Canon, Nikon, Pentex, Fuji. It's all a tool. It, it doesn't matter what I shoot. It just so happens that I like to use Sony. I could have went Nikon, but but I like to use Sony because one, it's because of focus peaking. And with focus peaking, and I like to manual focus a lot, and plus I like to use vintage lenses when I shoot. Um, uh -huh. I'm able to use focus peaking, highlight um, what's, what's going to be in focus, it makes a world difference. When I was using an optical viewfinder, um, and since I, I can't really stand live view, so I, I, I like to use the I like to use the um, the viewfinder. And without focus peaking, I, I can't see nothing. <laughs> you know. So yeah, and the, focus peaking. And the great thing with with you shooting Sony is uh, you've always had uh, after you got away from your ADD, your Canon, you've had an electronic viewfinder. So that's, that's really sweet. Now, I mean, the big thing about the electronic viewfinder is being able to see your exposure exactly the way it's going to be in your final image, which is, that's huge. I mean, that's a game changer right there. Uh, yeah, it, it is, but I don't really turn it on. <laughs> I, I don't really know what I got until, until I come home and, and I stick it in and, uh, and, into capture one <laughs> ah, okay oh so you use, you use capture one for doing your editing huh yes i i, I was doing um uh a week ago or two two weeks ago uh i, I was a lot of stuff of, of my my hard drive crashed uh when my, my backup went to update from the hard drive when i recovered the hard drive it deleted everything um so I, I still have Lightroom, and and then I read this um, thing from um, um what was her name Megan uh, Tegan, and or I forgot her name. Uh, but I was reading her article that was posted in the um um in in one of the Facebook groups, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and and go ahead and try Capture One, and I actually. Really enjoy Capture One. I mean, it's just basic adjustments, but but the but as soon as I I put everything in there, I mean, it, it doesn't look as it doesn't look flat. Like in Lightroom, everything kind of looks flat, muted. Yeah. As soon as I fit in, in in Capture One, it doesn't look flat or muted at all. I yeah. mean it. It's actually a pretty amazing program. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've actually been dabbling with, with Capture One for a couple of years now. I just upgraded to the new uh, Capture One Pro 12, which is it's really great software. I've actually got Capture One. I've got Lightroom CC Classic, and then I also have another one that I've been playing around with called Luminar. And uh, Luminar is really cool because uh, with their newest version they call Luminar 3, they've... Um, given it a lot of the same functionality as far as a library module like Lightroom has, but it, man, it loads, it opens and loads all your images so much faster than Lightroom does. I mean, it's just, 
crazy how much faster it is. Yeah, Lightroom is pretty slow. <laughs> and what was funny is is when when things were crashing on me, I, I was all uh, Lightroom didn't didn't uh, did save anything, but I had. But when I went to switch to uh, Capture One and things were things crashed on me because I, I think one of my drives was going now or something. But um, it actually saved it. I was able to recover it from from Capture One. I was like, hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and the biggest thing with Lightroom is, I mean, it's it's good software. Don't get me wrong. And uh, for the most part, it's fairly easy for somebody that's new to editing photos. It's fairly easy for them to learn. But what people tend not to realize is Lightroom is primarily a database program. So that's why it gets so slow and sluggish because it's got all this other stuff that it's doing in the background. You know, it's not just a straight photo editor like Capture One is. It does all this. Yeah. It does all this database processing and stuff like that in the back end, and it's creating the the side cart files and all of that stuff, um, which in a way is cool because you don't have to worry about um, your changes doing any kind of destructive damage to your original raw files. But the trade off is it also makes the software extremely slow. Yeah. Yep, and you got to, I mean, you got to have a system that's got a lot of RAM. You got to have a, a powerful uh, GPU or graphics processing unit that's also got a lot of RAM. And anymore, you can't run, I mean, uh, in my 27-inch iMac, I have a terabyte solid-state drive in, in there as my primary system. And Lightroom can still be slow, even on a solid-state drive. It's crazy. Yeah, because I do all my editing. I have a I have the um a twenty seven inch iMac too, the the five K Retina. Mm-hmm. I haven't used it. The only time I use that is if I have to do video or anything. But I've been editing with my um my Surface Pro. Oh yeah, yeah. It sounds like you've got the same iMac I do because that's the one I have, the twenty seven inch five K Retina display model. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a great. It's a great. Um, system and i love it but even on that now see when i bought mine i didn't pay the extra money to get it with a solid state drive from apple because apple's upgrade prices are just ridiculously high so i bought mine and then i took it to a local place that's an apple authorized repair center and i bought a one terabyte solid state drive from a company called otherworld computing or owc and, and the reason why I did that is not only is Apple's price way higher for a solid state drive, but they're using older solid state drive technology, which is one of the things that kind of missed me a little bit about Apple because they're still using like slower solid state drives in their newest Macs. And you can go to somebody like Otherworld Computing and you can get one that's like twice or even three times as fast for less money. So yeah. my... Go ahead. Yeah, you know, a- Apple, Apple's proprietariness and and stuff. You know, I, I have I use the iPhone, and and I, I, I thought I was going to be subjected to to getting a MacBook, but I found out with Windows you could you could have the iCloud drive on there. Yeah. So, so now 
what I do is I, I edit off my Surface Pro and I drop it into iCloud. Oh, so, yeah, there you go. Because Apple Apple is kind of a little bit, you know, either you're going to spend, spend three times as much for a computer that you could build uh-huh. <laughs> for the same thing from from Apple. I mean, you know, you're, you're really paying for a name and... And I mean, I do like using Apple, but but for for my all intent purposes, I I rather stick with Windows and and use my Surface Pro. Now, if if Apple did came out with a with a an iPad that that runs a full version of OS, and and I was able to to you know capture one and everything on there. Then I might get myself an, an an iPad like that. But if they're going to keep running a, a a slim version of OS onto their iPads, then then I, I won't. It, it's just not worth it to me. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people say that. Now, the big thing that I I do like about Apple is I understand that you pay more because I've worked in IT as well as photography for almost thirty years. I've been involved in both. And for a long time, I always built my own systems, um, but I know I didn't run Windows. I, I abandoned Windows a long time ago. I always ran Linux on my stuff. Um, but the big yeah. thing, yeah, the big thing, and I tell people this all the time. Yeah, you're paying a premium partly for the Apple name, but then the other benefit you get, and, and I'm not trying to be an Apple fanboy, but the other thing that you do get as far as a benefit is everything is designed by apple so apple doesn't physically manufacture their macbooks and their iphones and their ipads but they use a specific hardware set one specific hardware set for each type of device whether it's a macbook pro or an imac or their ipad pro and they build the operating system around that specific hardware profile and that's all they use and the downside to being in the Windows world is Microsoft makes the operating system, but then you've got dozens of other companies that make all of the hardware components that are in a PC. So that's why even when I was still using PCs, I got rid of Windows and just went with running Linux because I didn't have as many problems. It didn't matter who the hardware was from and the fact that the operating system was a separate component things just worked a lot better. And especially when you got, if you got into like Ubuntu Linux was a big one. That's the one I've got a lot of my family running if they're not running Apple stuff. And it's because uh, Canical, the company that makes um, the Ubuntu Linux operating system, their hardware support is just decades beyond anybody else's stuff. Uh, They have far more hardware support in their operating system than anybody else in the world. It's just crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Linux is really good. I like using Linux too. Yep. Now uh, to give you an idea yeah. how old I am, I've been using Linux, like I said, all for almost thirty years. And when Linus Tarvalds released the first Linux kernel, he uploaded it to the Helsinki University FTP server. I was one of only ten nerds in the entire world that downloaded it and started playing with it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You are older than me. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so I'm definitely an old-school nerd, definitely. 
So I was um, looking through your, your website here. The other one, I, another project that you did that I wanted to talk to you about, because I thought this was really cool, is the World Decay Portrait of Tiger Lily series. I really love this because, to me, um, the entire shoot has kind of like a Mad Max vibe. And I've always been a huge fan of the Mad Max movie. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. How did this project come about? Uh, that that was a, a John Lattimore and, and and I going out to the middle of the desert style shoot. Uh, he 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 uh, contacted me and go, hey man, you want to shoot a model uh, out here in the desert? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, so I drove I drove all the way to Death Valley or through Death Valley to Nevada and linked up with John Lattimore and. And we uh, and we shot uh, Tiger Lily. Oh, so this is something that you guys, the two of you, actually worked on this shoot together. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I didn't. I knew, but I know both of you guys, but I didn't realize you guys did this shoot together. That's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we 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 contacted. Uh, he contacted me. He told me, uh, "Hey, we're going to be doing this. If I was interested, I said, yeah, sure.' So." So went out there and and did that. Um, she she had she had this this whip mask, and I was like, all right, cool. And and it was kind of it was in a build uh, abandoned uh, cement factory place. So I was like, okay. And my brain started ticking, and I was thinking, okay, I got I know what I want to do with this. And I was thinking, Mad Max style, all the way through my head. So. Yeah, you guys definitely picked a great place to do this kind of this kind of shoot because that was the first thing I thought of that when I saw the very first image in the series. I was like, "This is like Mad Max. This is really cool. I love that mask that she's wearing. That thing is awesome." Yeah, that mask is pretty pretty cool. Um, it, I did a it was a uh, well, I did a two light setup for that whole entire shoot there. Now, was it really, you said you were uh, in Nevada. Was it pretty warm out that day or not too bad this time of year out there? Uh, no, it was it was pretty cold. It was freezing. That, uh, that poor girl, she, she was she was freezing. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it was windy. Uh, uh, and before I got there, she was shooting nude. So, so, I, so I, I can't imagine how cold she was. She was doing nudes before that shoot? Uh, yeah. Outdoors? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, she must have really been freezing if she, if she was cold when she was wearing, you know, the costume that she was wearing when you guys did that shoot. If she was doing, yeah. if she was doing nudes the same day, she had to really been freezing. Yeah, she is. She's a trooper, I can tell you that. Wow. She's, she's really great. Uh, hopefully one day I get to shoot her again um, sometime in the near future, but. But yeah, she's she's really great. Yeah, it looks like you guys you guys got some really great images. It was an awesome concept. I really love that one. Now I know um, uh, recently you just did a shoot. What was it last week with uh, with a model named Jenna, Jenny B? Yeah. And you guys did a beach shoot for that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I've seen some of the images. They're really fantastic as well. Uh yeah. Um, matter of fact, um. Uh, I'm in the midst of, of actually reprocess or reprocessing, and because uh, because some of the images came out great, 
I mean, the images came out great, but my post-processing uh, is I, I could do better. So, so that's why I, I just decided, you know what? Uh, she's a really great model, and she was really fun to work with. And I was thinking, well, this is my opportunity to to really, really redo my my way of of post processing and everything. And and so so there's going to be more to come on 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 that shoe. Um, then I'll probably drop it in my portfolio, my website. But yeah, it it was fun. The beach was great. That you know, first time I ever shot on the beach. Because I'm, I mainly shoot in the desert. Because I'm here in the desert. Um, she, she's very wonderful. She, she's like, she's a really awesome person. Her, uh, the guy Jeff B, who, who was the owner of the studio, because I shot in the studio there. Really awesome people. Oh. Um, can't, can't wait till I go back. Uh, can't wait till Jenny D comes back. to her again. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I just did my first uh, photo shoot with a professional model uh, back on the 22nd of February. I photographed with, uh, I think I told you about it, Allie Summers. And uh, she she's based out of Colorado. Um, I think, matter of fact, I don't think she lives too far from Professor Mott. Um, but she does a lot of traveling. I see she just came back from, uh, she did a weekend in Hawaii. Lucky duck. <laughs> Hawaii and Alaska are the only two states I've never been to yet. I've been to all 48 contiguous states. I've never been to Alaska or Hawaii. Um, oh, I was stationed in Alaska. That was my first duty station. Oh, cool. Now, uh, but the, the thing I really enjoyed, and it sounds like you had a, a similar experience, it was just, I, I'm not a big portrait photographer, um, just because uh, years ago I did I did children's portraits for Kmart back before anybody had the, the fixed studios and they hired the $12 an hour shutter monkeys. Um, I actually traveled the Eastern seaboard with six other guys and we did all the children's portraits for Kmart on the East coast. And I love doing that because I have a knack with children, especially young children, because, you know, I, I do little puppet shows and make all kinds of funny voices and stuff like that. So it was easy for me to get great shots of kids, but I don't enjoy doing standard portraits or post portraits of adults so much because, I'm not really comfortable telling adults what to do. Um, yeah. But having my first photo shoot uh, towards the end of February with Allie, it was just awesome because with her, I just had to give her a basic idea of the, of the shot I was looking for. And she knew how to do all the posing herself. So it's definitely a million times better working with a professional model. You, you know, I mean, I had to hire her, but for me, it was worth it because I got some fantastic shots out of that session. Yeah, you know what? You know, I, I shot a lot of models, but actually shooting Jenny B, it it's like you know I, I would tell the model, okay, as soon as you hear the beat from the stroke, go ahead and and, and move, uh, and and stuff. But when shooting Jenny B, she, it it was like instantaneously, it it fed on my mind how how well, um. Uh, her flow was and and i mean it was it, it was truly truly life-saving oh yeah yeah i definitely yeah. uh after shooting with a professional model i'm like spoiled now it's like that's the only kind of people i want to work with <laughs> it, it, you know really it is um uh, because because 
it, it doesn't it doesn't complicate the shoot. You know, you, you go out there, you can set up your lighting, uh, and and let her know, hey, this is what I'm looking for, and and they and they do it. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it it's just really it, it's really wonderful. Um, uh, you know, so you know, like like me, I since I shoot with lighting like ninety eight percent of the time. I mean, even you know, indoors, outdoors, full blown sun. I don't, I don't really, I don't really have a, a time frame when li- I, I think lighting isn't good. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, that's all I do is I rather shoot with lighting. I, I don't care if it could, even if it's um, you you can have golden hour. I mean, I'm still going to put some kind of lighting out there. But and and a lot of models I work with has never shot with lighting. You know, it's, it's the first time they they see lighting is is when when I shot them, and oh, wow. sometimes it, it it gets really hard. You know, it gets it gets really hard sometimes, and you try and tell them, okay, okay, remember this 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 light here. There's there's a little box. There's a there's a, a window that you cannot go past when you're moving because some some models I, I work with some are really hyper. I mean. They, they just hyper. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get the shot and they're bouncing all over the place. It, yeah. You know, uh, that, that's what, that's one of the main reasons I started, I was shooting with the Colt 45 a lot. Um, because with, cause you know, it, 10 feet back gives you a 10 feet, um, light pattern. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. Now I've been I've been messaging uh, Jenny B a bit on Instagram uh, back and forth talking to her, so I'm really uh, waiting for her to to come to Atlanta so I can get a chance to shoot with her as well because she seems like a really great lady. Oh yeah, she she's really awesome. Now, if you haven't already, um, and, and I don't know if you've heard episode eight, that was the first uh, episode that I did an interview in, and I interviewed a professional model that goes by Ellie Cat, and she's based out of Arizona. And she was telling me, because when I first started uh, following her and talking to her, um, she was telling me that she doesn't really do any any traveling to do photo shoots. Well, now, when by the time I did my interview with her, that's totally changed because she was telling me she's got about a dozen photographers that want to shoot her in California. Um, so she's going to be traveling to L.A., San Diego, San Francisco. Uh, I'm not sure when, so you might want to, um, if you're not already, you might want to follow her on uh, Facebook and Instagram because uh, she would be another great person to work with. I mean, she does some amazing work. She's been modeling for uh, five, six years now. And uh, oh. and she said that she gets compliments all the time from photographers that she makes their their shoots so much easier because she just knows what to do. Oh, that's good. See, that, uh, uh, you, know, you know, I was told... I was told, you know, you got you got to get professional models, and you also got to get new models, and or people just starting out. You know, you, you know, you gotta learn. You know, you gotta learn from both. You you get professional models. You 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 go ahead and pay them or TFP with with professional models, and and you know you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot from them. And they might learn something from you, but you also get get these uh, you get newer models who are just trying up and come, 
and, and, and you could give them an experience that that they never had a chance to see before. Yeah, and, exactly. Yep. You know, you you, you gotta you gotta do do those things. Um, uh, I have a, a shoot with another model uh, that's coming up uh, for evening gown that that I gotta try. Um, I, I'm trying to find a location right now for. And then I got to travel up to San Francisco and do a, uh, 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 aerial fitness person. And oh, cool. Catch on, on the silk ropes. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a photographer friend in uh, Chicago area, Brian Sadowski, and he shoots a lot of fashion and he does a lot of artistic nude work as well. And, um, he likes to work with uh, younger models that are, you know, just starting in the profession um, because he doesn't have to hire them all the time. You know, he can do a trade, you know, where he, he gives them images to put in their portfolio and stuff like that. And then, you know, their modeling cards and stuff like that. But I know the biggest problem he runs into with, with trying to do shoots with these young models that are trying to get established in modeling is they flake out on him all the time. Like he'll have a, He'll have a concept for a shoot he wants to do and he'll build all the props in his studio and he'll get the wardrobe and all that stuff together and then the the girl won't even show up. She doesn't even bother to call or, or text him and cancel. She just doesn't show up at all. Yeah, that's that that's that's a you know if if you if you don't show up and I invest in my time and and you just don't show up or whatever it is. It's, it's very reluctant for me to, to want to shoot you or even try to schedule anything with you because, um, you know, time, time, someone's time means a lot. Yeah, and exactly. especially if, if you go through this whole planning process and, and you want to, you want to, you want to create something great, and then the person flakes out, then, then, you know, then apparently my time prior to the shoot meant nothing to you. So now you're, you're kind of on like the really bottom of the scale of anything that I think of, you know, cause, and, and that's just, that's just how it is. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be messing with people's time. Yeah, exactly. You know? Time is very important, and it's it's not like, you know, since since I'm not a natural light shooter, you know, natural light shooters, I don't know how they plan things, but I actually plan, and I go in, I, I design a, a light, I go into my set of light program, and I, I go in there, and I start to really, really uh, get in depth how I'm going to set up lighting, you know, I Google map an area or whatever. And, and then I go in there and I and I look for some positioning at that time of day. <laughs> you know, I, I go through a lot. I, I'm very, I'm very um. Want to make sure I get everything, you know, down right before I get there. Yeah, you're meticulous in your planning, and and that's definitely not a bad thing. I, and Brian's the same way. That's I know that's why he gets so frustrated because. You know, even when he shoots outdoors, he pretty much always uses, you know, a lighting setup of some kind. And so I can understand why he gets so frustrated when these models just blow him off after they've been telling him for weeks they're going to come out and do this shoot with him. 
you know, because he's gone through building props and getting wardrobe and, and figuring out the lighting setup and where the location and all of that. And then the girl just doesn't show up. I mean, that's a lot of wasted time. And, you know, I don't think some of these some of these models realize that. That they're, uh, you know, they're actually really putting, you know, somebody like you or him out because they don't realize how much work is involved in setting up one of those kind of shoots. Yeah, it, it's a, it, it involves a lot. It's just not, it's not like I, I go there and, and set up on, on location. No, I, I actually do a lot of research and stuff. Now, if I don't know the location, that's one thing. I might not be able do research but but if i know the location i i go in there you know prior prior to going to any place i i look at everything i i figure out what, what kind of lighting i need um and and everything because because like me i you know it you i i have to use lighting i mean i can shoot natural light and i have uh but i have no no enjoyment for using natural light, I rather be a strobist. I rather set up two lights, three lights, four lights. I mean, I mean, because cause what is photography? Photography is all about lighting, uh, and and in order to get the best images as as I can, I I need lighting. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, and I'm then, looking at the. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, there's nothing wrong with that because. Um, I know a lot of the the professionals have been shooting for a long time. That's one of the big things they talk about is, you know, not enough photographers learn how to use lighting. You know, they either want to always shoot natural light um, or if they shoot with, you know, any kind of artificial light, they don't know how to use them properly. Yeah, they, they, they don't they don't take the time to learn loop lighting, broad lighting, Rembrandt lighting. Um, you know, people... They, they, a lot of people don't take the turn, the time and effort to learn lighting. Half of them are scared of lighting. Like, like, how am I going to add this? I, I mean, I mean, you know, it's not like lighting is hard. Lighting is actually pretty easy. You know, you, you go out there, you, you set your ambient and then add power to light to, to light the individual up. Then you can add another light. And yep. when you add a second light for hair light, then you're adding light to separate them from background. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, or or like me, I see a lot on location outside. You know, I use the sun. You know, the sun is either going to be a rim light, or or it could be a it could be a the main light, and then I add light for rim. You know, or I even. A lot of times when I sit up outside, I use the sun. I use the I use another light to help fill the sun, and then I use a hair light or a rim light. Uh, you know, so I have I have the sun. It's kind of like a a light bead with the sun, and then another light for for hair light. You know, you you have to always look at positioning of the sun, or or if you're going to shoot indoors, you're going to have to look at where you're intent to do you know unless i'm doing something really dark because uh, i like to shoot really dark images and and um if i'm doing something really dark i'll i'll probably grid a light i probably you know i'll probably add a hair light and then and then i'm i'm really focusing 
more into Rembrandt lighting and, and just trying to get just trying to get the person um, and just trying to get a little kiss of highlights on them in the back. But you know, once you you have your understanding of your intent, then then you just you, you know you can you can start adding all different types of light. That's you, but not a lot of people want to go out there and learn light. Um, they're they're not they're they're not trying to push themselves to to be great. That's you know that's how I look at it. I mean anybody to pick up a camera and everybody has a camera today. Everyone has a cell phone. Uh, but the one thing a cell phone can't do is add light. I mean you there, there's you know you, you're not going to add light with cell phone. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you you as a photographer that wants to compete with every single photographer out there, you're going to have to add light. Yep. Uh, you're going to have to know it, understand it, and learn it. Yeah, exactly. I know that's one thing I, I've seen uh, both David Hobby, who goes by the Strobist, as well as Zach Arias, who's a fairly famous photographer who's based here in the Atlanta area. Um, that's one of the things that both of them talk about is, you know, you get these photographers, they'll go out and buy four or five or six lights, but the problem is they never learn how to use them. It's like, start with one light, master doing a shoot with one light properly, whether you're using reflectors to bounce it and stuff like that. Then once you master your first light, then add a second light and then eventually a third light and so on and so forth. But they say the same thing. It's not super hard, but you got to master your lighting you can't just go out and buy, you know, three, two, three, four, five, six lights and throw them into a shoot together, and you have no idea what you're doing with them or how to use them properly, and then you, you end up with a mess. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and that's another thing, you know, you know, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, um, and a lot of them deals with lighting, and and you you'll see it all the time. A lot of people will buy lights, and and then they 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 they're confused. It's because you always got to start with one. What, what I did was I got one light. Uh, matter of fact, I, I started lighting in this mock class. So I went and bought a flash and, and for her class for photojournalism. And, and I just didn't like the light that was produced from a hot shoe. So, so I bought a Bowen bracket and, and, and I used my impact light stand with the bones bracket. And then um, I bought a, a beauty dish, a cheetah stand beauty dish. And I went out there and for my class assignment, I went and, and, and shot someone off camera flash for first time using flash. <laughs> and I, I did it with a one light setup, but, but I learned real quick and, you know, you know, watching just watching videos uh, um, and studying, just studying um, how off-camera flash works. Uh, I, was, I went there, I set ambient, and then I just added power to the to the light. Um, and that's how, how I got broken into off-camera flash. Uh, it was in this month's class. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I always loved uh, the classes that I had with Professor Mott. She's a fantastic instructor. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be interviewing her in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think I'm interviewing her April 4th because I really wanted to talk to her about because she did photojournalism for years for like AP and Reuters and stuff like that. 
And so I'm really looking forward to doing the interview with her about that stuff because uh, she knows a lot about that stuff. And I, I really like the projects that she's been working on um, when her and her husband traveled to uh, Zambezi and places like that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, when, it, when it comes down, I'm not much of a photojournalism. I mean, I, I, I do like to just document like stuff that I like, like tattoos and stuff. But when it comes down to other stuff, I'm not much of a, a journalism person. So, but I look at her work and it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I, I like to do that style. I'm into street photography and editorial documentary style photography, and probably one of the reasons why I'm more into the photojournalism type stuff, um, even though it isn't what I do for a living, because it's almost impossible to get into that field of work anymore. The photojournalism industry is dried up for the most part. I mean, a lot of the newspapers fired all their photographers because they, you know, they weren't making any money in print anymore and, and stuff like that. But years ago, um, when I, cause I'm originally from Pennsylvania and I was in fire and rescue up there. And, um, I actually did, um, uh, I don't really want to say crime scene photography, but it's similar. Um, so like structure fires and stuff like that, I would document, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, for the, you know, the, the, uh, fire inspectors, you know, that would go in and review all the details. They'd inspect the site and they'd look at the imaging and stuff and determine whether it was arson or an accident and so on and so forth. So I've always been kind of a little bit into that kind of stuff, photojournalism, editorial and documentary style stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get into editorial, um, well, fashion editorial, um, and, um, and just you know just stuff like that fashion editorial and, and what i'm going to do is uh there's this magazine um it's called entertainment inc it's part of it's part of skin and ink but i'm going to submit an editorial for them once once i find a, a really good person who's tattooed and, and stuff female and and submit it for their annual issue Oh I yeah. Kind of have, I already kind of have the concept I'm working on right now, and once once I get that concept planned out right and a place, uh, art in the place to shoot at, then then I'll start making it happen. But cool. But yeah, I already got uh, editorial in mind. Um, I already contacted the magazine. They gave me all the information and everything to submit. Cool. Now, the uh, the last thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up uh, this episode is, I believe, what, starting tomorrow, you're going to be uh, photographing LA Fashion Week, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's really excited for that. Yeah. Now, how did you uh, how did you get in get involved in that? Because I wouldn't think that that would be an easy thing to get into. But I think it's really great that you're going to get to shoot it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, LA Fashion Week on Instagram, the actual LA, uh, they, they, uh, they, they started following me one day and then, uh, you know, so I, I started communicating with them. And so they sent me, they sent me the, uh, the, uh, photographer video coordinator and, and he emailed me, goes, Hey, uh, um, uh, I got you a press pass, you and uh, my wife, who's my assistant. And so, so you could go there and 
and, and captured behind the scenes and, and the events and the runway. And, and so I asked him, can I bring lighting? And he's like, he's like, um, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Right. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to do a, a simple one light setup. It's, it's at the Pearson, um, the Pearson uh, Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, which is, uh, I don't know if you ever Google that place, but if, if you Google it on um, um, Peterson's Automotive Museum, it's one of the best places in L.A., especially oh, wow. for automotive automotive guys um I, w- I watched a youtube video and and they have models they'll be standing around these um very classic nice cars on uh-huh. um, playing clothes so i'm gonna go there i'm gonna i'm gonna do a one light setup and and hopefully i get some models with some beautiful cars in the images oh and then I'll, wow yeah it, it, if you if you if you never Google it, I, I suggest you, after we get done talking, Google um, Peterson's Automotive Museum. The building itself is just a contemporary work of art. But they have they have cars from the movie theaters there. They have um they have a, a Porsche um a Porsche area. They they have all kinds of, of neat cars. The, the original Batmobile. Oh you, wow! You name it. There, yeah. George Barris's uh, one of George Barris's dream children is the uh, the original Batmobile from the '60s TV series. That would be awesome to see that. Oh yeah, it, they they have it all. They, they this this place is is like a Hollywood um, gold mine. Oh wow! When it comes back, they they have cars from from um, James Bond. I'm a big James Bond James Bond fan. Oh, so. me too. So they they have one of his um, cars in there and everything. So hopefully hopefully they have a, a great model standing next to it. So because I'm gonna have to bust out the 24 D Master and go ahead and get the model and the car. <laughs> I hear that. So this is actually even better because I didn't realize that you were gonna be shooting models with these vintage and classic film and TV cars. So that's really awesome. Yeah. They, they they really do it up. Um, my goal is hopefully I do a, um, I got I got to turn in photos every night, so so I shoot. Um, I get home. I'll post process. Um, I won't post process in depth photos on on uh, the behind the scenes because it's more like photojournalism. Uh-huh. So I'll color grade it or color correct it, and I'll I'll send it in so they could drop it onto their onto their website and, and and stuff like that but every night I, I i go down there um shoot come home post process drop the images and they post them um the they don't really sell too many tickets to to the la fashion week this this one here uh a lot of it is invitation only so oh wow. so really getting so being able to really get in there and get to capture this is is, is something that that is really awesome. It's, it's not like one of it's not like a regular fashion week where where you know you get tickets and you go. A lot of a lot of it is invitation only. So. Wow. Yeah. So you've got you got some serious access to this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and you know, only thing I gotta do is provide them 
pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's and cool. I told, uh, hopefully, they'll invite me back for um, for um, spring and summer collection because this collection is uh, fall winter. Uh-huh. Uh, they they have a couple of the best designers that I know of is going to be there. Um, let me go on here. Well, the great part about this is you're not only getting to shoot something that you love to do, but you're also going to get to do probably tons of networking while you're there. Yeah, and that's one of the goals because that's what um when when I talk to the to the photo bureau coordinator, uh-huh. uh, he he's like uh he's like yeah I I would like to help you build your portfolio network with with the local models here and models and and some of the designers and, and really uh, get, uh, have you interact with them. So I'll be able to meet the, the designer photographers. I mean, you know, those are the guys behind the scenes, but for a designer photographer, you know, they, they have the most awesome job. They get to capture, capture the, you know, the, the models all the time, the, the clothing all the time. Um, be able to meet some of the, some of them. Um, they they have um the uh, most of the the press that's going to be there is like L A Times, Cosmo, Nylon, you know a lot of the magazines are going to be there. Um, it I mean it's 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 something it's, it's a really big event in in L A. You know they have all kinds of L A Fashion Week. You know the model experience, uh, part of art or the Heart of Art Foundation and. And then, of course, this LA Fashion Week that's based out in Hollywood. So, wow. So, so yeah, um, you really, you really hit the mother load on this because you're going to get to do the the kind of photography that you love to do. Well, you plus you get to combine fashion and cars, but you're going to be doing some major, major networking to uh, yeah. ho- hopefully get some other gigs in the future. Maybe a magazine shooter or some magazine shoots and some other fashion shoots as well. Yeah. I, I mean, all three days is going to be at this at this museum. The museum is three stories, so wow! So I, I can't. I, I really can't wait. It's, it's it's a beautiful place in L.A. and and I, I get to go there, capture some models and cars. I mean, cars and fashion. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. <laughs> I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be really amazing. That's fantastic. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. We've run about an hour and 10 minutes, which is fine. I, lo- I love the interviews to be at least an hour. Um, so we didn't have any problem with that. And I definitely wanted to uh, touch on the LA Fashion Week stuff that you told me you were going to be doing. Um, and I'm definitely going to have to Google that uh, that museum and check that out. Because that definitely sounds like someplace I wouldn't mind visiting someday. <laughs> if I ever get out to the uh, West Coast. Hey, you ever come out to the West Coast? Look me up. We'll go shooting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, John, I want to thank you again for your time and, and, and sitting down and talking with me on this episode of my podcast. Uh, it's definitely always wonderful looking at your work. You've got some amazing work on your portfolio. And, uh, I'm, and I'm glad to hear that you're, you're getting a lot of success and you're getting a chance to expand your networking and, and rub elbows with some of the industry professionals and, and various uh, magazines. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, you know, like I said, 
I went in, I'm going through, I went in, I, I, I took a strong revamp with myself and, and now, now I'm about to, um, really polish things up. So here in the future, um, um, some of the stuff that, that looks great now, they're going to even be even better. So. Cool. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that because like I said, you've, you've already got an amazing start. So it's going to be really great to follow your work as you keep continuing on this journey. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you know, we all, you always got to self-improve, you know, yep. the, the moment that, that you, you get to the point where, where you think you're the best, you're not, you're going, you always have to go in, revamp yourself, reassess yourself, and always improve. Oh, absolutely. Because, because if you don't, if you don't do that, and there's a lot of photographers out there that, 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 that's like that, that they, they get to the point that, that you can't tell them no wrong. You know, you, you're all, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And I, and me, I personally take every um, criticism anyone gives me and I, and I go in and I reevaluate myself and, and, you know, and I always try to make improvements. It's always, you always, always got to make improvements. And a lot of people don't do that, but you always have to do because, because, you know, by the time we're 80 years old and we still, if we still able to hold that camera, you know, we're going to still be learning. Yep. That's, I tell people that all the time. Photography is not something you just learn and that's it. It's it's a lifetime of learning experiences and trying new things and, and getting out of your comfort zone. And it, it's not something where you're going to learn, you know, you're going to learn everything there is to learn in photography in a year or two years or four years. It's it's a lifetime of learning. Yeah, yeah you know, you, you know, it's Thomas Sorrell, right? You know, the famous um, um Economist, he, uh, you know, he retired and he went into um, photography now. Oh, really? He's like 80 some years old. Yeah. Wow. He said he, he wants to follow his, his, through his dream now, follow his passion now. Yeah, so, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize for the longest time that uh, one of my favorite actors, Leonard Nimoy from the original Star Trek, he was big into photography as well. Yeah, you know, you know, you you're never too old to start, and and you know, I wish I started started a lot earlier in life. But I mean, at forty one or forty, well, I started at forty. Mm-hmm. I'm forty one, so. Oh, you, you still know. got you still got plenty of time. You can still shoot for another thirty, forty, fifty years, easy. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope. <laughs> yep. That's not well. That's the other nice thing about photography. You're never too young to start learning it, and you're never too old to start learning it. Yeah, I I have a buddy. His name is Charles. He um, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer and everything, and he went on this special diet, and and he's seventy three years old. And believe me, he could outwork any of us, even with even being being with all. Uh, with an illness he could still climb he could still pack pack his gear wow so it, it just it just proves that that you know that you're never too old exactly exactly yep and i've got you beat by almost a decade so 
Yeah. I'm really getting to be old. <laughs> yeah, oldness is only a, a, a thought of mine. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Well, all right, John, let me let you uh, let you go. We'll wrap this episode up, and uh, I'm going to get ready to uh, have myself some dinner as well. So, uh, And I don't want to keep you too long, because I know you're probably all excited to get ready for tomorrow with the Fashion Week thing starting. Yeah, I got to post-process these uh, headshots tonight so I can turn them into the client because, you know, you know, I want I want to get my I don't want to be behind schedule. I always like to be up on schedule, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up late tonight. Go ahead and get these headshots um, post processed and and drop them to the drive for them and and then um and then I'll be all set for for tomorrow and continue on editing on on Denny B's pictures because you know I want to make sure I get those things edited and and send off to her. Oh, absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, like I said, I don't want to keep you too late. And I want to thank you again for giving me so much of your time. This has been really fantastic. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you and, and, and talk to you about your work, this stuff that you've been doing, because it's really amazing work. You've got some really great, you've got a great body of work going there. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, John. All right. All have right. a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right. I'll all right, and that wraps up episode 12 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank John again for uh, being my guest today on the show. And I want to also thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and any other podcatchers that you might be using. Uh, be sure to follow John Harvell's work. I will have the links to his Instagram as well as his uh, website portfolio and his Facebook in the show description, show notes area. So definitely uh, give him a follow and, and check out his body of work. He's been doing some really amazing, amazing work. And uh, I'm really excited for him that he's going to get to uh, shoot the uh, LA Fashion Week this weekend at the uh, at the car, Peterson Car Museum in, uh, in Los Angeles. So that's really going to be exciting and fantastic for him. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up episode 12. I want to thank you all again, and we'll see you next time in episode 13.